welcome to this week's episode of Geeky Dinks. This week, we're continuing our discussion on time, talking more about the practicality of... Uh, movie magic. Yeah, practicality of portraying time travel in movies, um, TV shows. Uh, also, we wanted to talk about time loops, which we had mentioned at the beginning of the... <laughs> or at the end of the first episode... Uh, but then just kind of talked about... Promptly forgot. Yeah, prom- promptly <laughs> forgot about it in the second episode. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about those two. I also want to talk about more of the video games that use uh, the time manipulation thing. I was trying to think of some. Which one are you thinking specifically? The first one that came to mind was Prince of Persia. I don't think I've played that one. It had a, a rewind feature. That, like while you're going through it, it's called Prince of Persia Sands of Time. So you have this ability to rewind oh. your, your play so that when you're running through this thing, it's one of those like you can wall run and there's large sections of the palace that start uh, falling apart around you. Mm-hmm. So most of the time while you're running, you'll jump to a spot that ends up falling away. So you have to rewind, see yourself do it again, and then try it a different way. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Lynx was another one. Uh, it was like a time-traveling cat. That sounds fun. Yeah, I think that was a, a PlayStation 2 game. Let's I'm sure see. the graphics are terrible now, but I'm sure that it was <laughs> well, so fun. Well, it, it, was, it was very cartoony at the time anyway. Oh, so. okay. That's even better. Yeah. There's Beautiful Joe. It's a very stylistic game. It's like a hand-drawn comics almost, but it's supposed to be like a film that you're rewinding and fast-forwarding. Oh, okay. And you're able to do slow-motion type stuff as the superhero character that you're playing as to hit really hard or move really fast and, like, slow-motion hyper-lapse and all that stuff. All the, mm-hmm. And it's all uh, based on film. Like, you're fast-forwarding, you're actually rewinding the film. Oh, wow. Uh, the slow-motion effect of a movie, but in a game. Interesting. I didn't, yeah, I was trying to think of um, games that had like a time effect to them. And I actually just thought of one now, the one that I was playing. um, Oh, Life is Strange. Life is Strange. So yeah, she has the ability to rewind time. Now granted, it takes a toll on her. And of course, apparently my computer, because it crashed it. But, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, that was another one I didn't even think about till just now that has a time travel, not really time traveling, but more time manipulation aspect to it. Yeah, I like... Well, I guess it's probably the easiest medium to portray time travel, Mm -hmm. especially from a user perspective, because you're the one that's doing the time traveling, or especially time manipulation, like we described it. And I think it makes it easier to understand, like you said, because you're the one doing it. So you're like, oh, so that's the information. Let me go back in time, withhold, like in The Life is Strange, you find out something, you go back in time to a certain point, and you're like, let me not say that. So it's kind of like undoing what you've done while learning. Kind of like when the people say, I wish I knew then what I know now. You get that aspect in the game, which yeah. is cool. If you don't do it soon enough, you can't unchange it, which which does suck once you go further down and they're like, oh, hey, you did such and such. And it's like, crap, I should have went back and pretended that that didn't happen. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think that plays into the whole concept of going back in time mm-hmm. or going forward. It's a regret versus, um, it's another R word. It was going to sound good. <laughs> <laughs> Remorse? Uh, reassurance. Ah. Regret versus reassurance. Reassurance, like you want to go back 
because you regret something that you have done, you want reassurance going into the future that it's going to be okay. Mm, okay. So I think that's the parts of the human psyche that are at play when they think about time travel as a, a story or a concept. Right. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. Like, I, I love just the... I think my favorite version of time travel probably would be in video games. Just because it feels like you're getting to do it. Oh, unlike... Not, not so much that you don't get to when watching a movie or a TV show, but you just actually get to choose when and how, as long as it's not a cutscene. But, you know, you get to choose when and how those things happen. So it feels a little bit more like it's actually happening to you, you, and not you through the eyes of the character in the movie. Right. Kind of, sort of. Yeah, I feel like now movies are, like, <laughs> leaving time travel behind. Mm -hmm. Like, it's passe and moving on to other universes, other dimensions. Like, the whole multiverse thing was huge last year. Right. Like, there were so many different movies and TV shows and just different things that were dealing with alternate versions of stories that we know. Mm -hmm. uh, a different take on the reboot, you know? Right. But, I mean, technically, if you think about it, isn't that more people accepting time travel as a whole? Because some people's version of time travels is just alternate realities. Kind of. Kind of. And especially, there's a lot more people now saying, um, like, when something in their daily life changes that they don't remember, the, um... Oh, the Mandela effect. Yeah. That's a big thing. Yeah. But that is more of a dimensional shift mm -hmm. than a, I guess, the result of time travel really like the way that a lot of or the the way the mandela effect as a whole has been explained to me at least has been that when the large hadron collider got turned on it actually destroyed the universe <laughs> Mm -hmm. and pushed us all into the next most similar universe Almost everything's the same. Right. Certain things aren't. Mm -hmm. That can be explained as mass faulty memory because we all know that memory is not solid as we right. think it it's is. Right, it's very subjective and can be manipulated. Yeah. Yeah, that the Mandela effect is more that we have been shifted into another universe rather than somebody went back in time and changed some stuff and we're seeing the result of that past time travel ripple effect now. So it's more like just forward time travel overall. Kind of. Not necessarily time travel, but forward effect of change. And right. isn't that the thing that they turned on last year and plan on leaving on for like a decade? Yeah, yeah. We're in the middle of a really big experiment. Kind of explains why everything's pretty unexplainable right now. <laughs> True. <laughs> Uh, why we're experiencing a lot of weird phenomena is probably because of some next level science stuff that we're not all privy to. Yeah, they probably know, but we don't. Oh yeah, absolutely. There is so much that we don't know. And honestly, I will say it is probably for the better. As much as I would like to know more personally, in mass that kind of knowledge could be terrifying. Yeah, I mean, it brings up probably one of my favorite... <laughs> Lines from Men in Black. A person is smart. People are dumb, panicky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Agent... Agent uh, K. Yeah, Agent K. Yeah, a dumb, panicky... Oh, gosh, I really want to get it down right. <laughs> I, I would fill in the blank, but I don't yeah. remember either. Right. A person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, true. Very true. Yeah, like, the whole mass hysteria thing, like, that's why people were rallying behind the reign of terror back during uh, French Revolution times. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they were all just like, yeah, kill them, do the thing. Do the thing. Um, why the witch trials happened. Yeah. Like, the whole town got behind uh, the porches and pitchforks and everything. Yeah. Uh, mob mentality. It's a very scary thing when uh, people let anger and fear and distrust take over their minds right well it's scary especially if you're on the opposite side of said mob um (laughs) you know but but to i mean to to know that that's how humans react in a for lack of better words like you said a mob mentality means we can rally together if we just choose to use our powers for good (laughs) it's, it's rare that you see a quote-unquote mob moving for good. Usually it's referred to as a march, for one. Unless it's a flash mob. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) It's either... It's the only good example I can think of. Yeah, a flash mob is just kind of like a cool entertainment phenomena that happens occasionally i do miss those that, those were fun but now yeah, yeah people don't really get together in public um people don't public right <laughs> but uh positive mobs are more like marches mm-hmm. you know like a million man march or like people walking across the bridge in selma for civil rights and things like that those sort of protest marches are probably the better version of mob mentality. Right. Where people get behind a common idea, but they also have the social contract agreement that we're not going to destroy anything. Right. We're going to do this in a more civil way. Right, right. But you wanted to also talk about time loops. Right, because those are another popular storytelling trope mm-hmm. that we have seen a ton of times right. um, in, in movies especially, like Groundhog Day. I despise that movie. I, I don't mind it. I... Is it another case of you saw the same part too often? I think it's partially that, but I mean, the movie is 90% the same thing. Yeah. and And that to me is... Just, it can be fun, but I think because the loop was so much of the same thing before it changed, it bothered me. So I'm thinking, for example, uh, Supernatural, the mystery spot, right? Right. All you hear is heat of the moment, and then it changes. Yeah. (laughs) And you might get a quick clip of them having breakfast, and something slightly changes, and then heat of the moment again. So it's small little pieces to let you know you're looping without having to play 5, 10, 15 minutes of the exact same thing before something changes. I can get that. So to me, if Groundhog's Day, now granted this was before, you know, this was an older, what, 80s movie? I think Uh, 90s, 80s, 90s. So they didn't exactly have the same quick pace as movies do now. Um, I think if it were ever redone, it might be more palatable for me just because I think they'll cut to the chase a little bit quicker. Like, hey, we're looping. Here's the same radio station. And he gets up and he puts his slippers on and does whatever. And you're like, okay, cool. And then immediately it's him walking outside. You know, I'd be okay with that. But as it currently stands, it's funny, but I can watch it in very, very small doses. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th- I feel like the Supernatural episode was like that because, of course, it's a TV episode. It's a much shorter format. You got to cut to the chase mm-hmm. a lot faster, uh, cut out a lot of the, the fat. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I would definitely say that I, th- I feel like Groundhog Day puts you in Phil's 
mentality Mm -hmm. pretty quickly just because, okay, you heard the same song again. Okay, you're having the same conversations again. That's weird. Okay, the same festival that was supposed to be yesterday is happening again today. What is going on? Right. And then it happens again and again. And you're, But you're also hearing the same stuff, so it gives you the same anxiety, I feel like. Maybe that, that's why I don't like it. That Phil is supposed to have at the but, beginning. Yeah. <laughs> I guess in a, a version of the script, he was supposed to be stuck there for like 10,000 years. No. <laughs> 10,000 <laughs> no. But apparently the amount of days that we actually see is a lot shorter. So wait, that. was it a book first? Um, no, no. It was still a script. Oh, oh It was just okay, an okay. earlier draft of the script that actually talks about how so long they did he was cut actually... more fat down yeah. <laughs> gosh <laughs> but it explains why he was so good at everything by the mm, end yeah that he was able to master pretty much everything mm-hmm. um, it'd be interesting to see what kind of life he's able to live after that having gained proficiency in so many skills right <laughs> And do you age in that time? It didn't look like he aged. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, because I'm thinking about all the different things where there were time loops. And although because you're in a time loop, you're technically going back to your starting point. So if said magic or science, whatever it is, exists, you shouldn't age. Right. But also you're affected in time, but maybe your body isn't. Well, it's pretty clear that he was being basically regenerated Mm -hmm. every morning, um, especially the times that he died. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Um, That brings up uh, another one where they pretty much die every time, and and that's the only way that it resets, was that Tom Cruise movie, Edge of Tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, It was very much like a video game, where when you die, you reset to the beginning. Right. Um, But kind of like a a roguelike game. Is it roguelike or roguelite? I don't know. But in those games, you restart from the same beginning every time, but you keep the experience and the access to different Mm. weapons as you go. So you're still sort of getting better, but you're still starting from the same spot. So you're starting physically from the same spot, but you're equipped with the knowledge and the experience. Of your past Uh, lives. Yeah. That's what most um, roguelike games are, Mm. what they feel like as far as being like a movie. Edge of Tomorrow is very much like that because, you know, he... He starts at the beginning as just an officer, and then because he got one of the creature's blood on him as he was dying, it reset him like it reset them. Mm. And it was a very, very weird, but very well executed concept. See, I think that was one of the few Tom Cruise movies that I actually liked, albeit because I got to watch his character die a lot. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't... I don't know why. I just It is not a secret now that you do not like I do Tom not, Cruise. I do not like Tom Cruise. I don't I don't know why. I do know why, but I don't know why. Um <laughs> but it kind of makes me think too of even uh the end of Doctor Strange. That's how he defeated Dormammu. Yeah. Was with a time loop and he just basically annoyed the crap out of him until he conceded and was like, "All right, fine, I won't. Jeez, I'll go just, away. I'll just leave. <laughs> just go away. The only way I can fix this is if I'm not here so you can stop and leave me alone. And I think that to me is like petty level genius that I love about Doctor Strange. He's like, I can't
can't physically defeat you. I can't even outsmart you. I'm just going to annoy you. <laughs> and I'm going to always be here. And you're going to have to always kill me. But I will always come back. Right. No matter what you do. And it'll always bring us back to here. Yeah. And you'll never get any further than here. Because we'll always come back here. And it'll just be here. And I just love it. Because it's like, it's like that passive aggressive fighting. <laughs> like, I'm not even really going to try to fight you. Because I can't win. But you're going to get so tired of defeating me. It's not going to be fun anymore. Right. <laughs> and it doesn't bother me. So, meh. And defeating me isn't what you really want. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just an obstacle every day, all the time, no matter what you do. Yeah. That's like the ultimate roadblock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a newer game that came out recently that has a time loop. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's called Death Loop. <laughs> oh. Where it's two people that are trying to beat each other, um, but every time one of them kills the other, it resets. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so they either have to die at the same time or not die at all? I think so. Like, I, I want to really look more into it because it feels like a more unique take on the time loop mm. concept. Uh, I really liked that Marlon Wayne's one. We, we talked about it briefly in the first episode. Uh, I, I looked it up. It's called Naked. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, I remember watching that one. We might have watched it together, I think. I think so. I think we did. And it was funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's really funny. Um, just that he wakes up every day naked on an elevator the day of his wedding. And it, it, it really takes the concept of Groundhog Day and kicks it up a notch, you know? <laughs> like, he isn't just in town to do the Groundhog Day right. weather report with Punxsutawney Phil. Mm -hmm. He is getting married today. Right. And he doesn't wake up in bed with I Got You Babe playing on the radio and he gets annoyed by that. No, he's waking up naked in an elevator and that's about to open to a bunch of people that he doesn't know. Yeah, that'll put an anxiety in you at least two to three times. Yeah. Until you can try to figure out how to not. Right, yeah. Like, the first thing that you do before when you first wake up again is you stop the elevator. You're like, no. It won't happen. It probably only took twice. Yeah. The first time, because you didn't know. The second time, because you didn't know it was repeating. The third time, you're like, uh-uh, not now. All right. <laughs> I gotta stop this elevator. I've seen this one before. Right. <laughs> well, I know we had talked about Looper as a, an actual, like, time loop style, but that's a little bit different in the yeah. sense of time looping per se. Right. It's it's more about just basic time travel, where someone is closing their loop because the last person that comes through the time travel that they shoot and kill is them. Right. In the future, because they get to see all the gold that mm -hmm. came along with the body, but because Joseph Gordon-Levitt slash Bruce Willis's character is so good at what he does, he was able to um, get free of his restraints before he got sent through, fight off his younger self. What I think is interesting is that casting choice. Like, I know they put a lot of um, prosthetics on Joseph Gordon-Levitt to look like a younger Bruce Willis. That, in a way, I appreciate because they knew they had two good actors and were like, I know they look nothing alike. Yeah. So let's make them look more alike. That's true. Because we know both of these two actors can do this and we want them to, but they look nothing alike. <laughs> and it's the rare times that you see that. You know what I mean? Like I know whenever they talk about like Supernatural, when they go back to um, flashbacks of Sam and Dean when they were younger, 
everyone's always like, wow, their casting directors are amazing because these look like younger versions of Sam and Dean. And so there's a lot of people who will, I think, sacrifice talent for accuracy of the characters, right. which is in a way cool as long as, you know, whoever you picked is also a good actor. Right. It works out great. But if they're not, I kind of like that they went and took a risk and said, well, here's two guys that are polar opposites looking of each other, but they're good actors and that's who we want to act. So yeah, right. <laughs> let's make them look kind of like each other. <laughs> I think that's kind of cool. So Yeah, that, that actually brings up the whole practicality of portraying a younger or older version of oneself mm -hmm. in time travel-like movies. Right. Like, the first one that always comes to mind is Back to the Future, because Leah Thompson and Crispin Glover, when we first see them, they're older version of themselves. Mm -hmm. Especially Lorraine. Right. Who has kind of let herself go because she doesn't really... Right, she's not happy. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, uh... George pretty much looks the same. <laughs> Just an older, more homely looking guy than yeah. originally. Yeah, yeah, more worn down. <laughs> yeah. And and a little more sheepish. I think his his hunched over is is a bit deeper than it was as yeah. a kid. I, I feel like Biff looks mostly the same regardless mm -hmm. of how he turned out. Yeah, I think his was more how they styled his hair. Yeah. And I think in the alternate future, when Biff kind of became their like mechanic slash car wash slash house servant person, um, they gave him a comb over and I think they gave him a little bit of a belly. Yeah. To and, make and him he, look like he let himself go. He, he's like in a jogging suit. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that. I like that that was like the biggest change for Biff. Otherwise, he looked like Biff. Yeah, but he's super effeminate. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. What I do think is cool um, is when... Because now they're doing the thing where if they need a scene of an actor, like we were talking, they computer digitize their face to make them look younger. Right. And I do believe, honestly, in a lot of movies, which kind of irritates me a little, is when you see an actor in the movie and then you see them like on the carpet or doing an interview or, you know, the paparazzi photo, there's a big 15 year gap from screen to real life. <laughs> and so I have to wonder if they're editing them throughout the whole movie and even when there aren't like flashbacks and stuff. But then, of course, now with Harrison Ford's new Indiana Jones movie, they've definitely aged him back to his 20s, early 30s, uh, apparently, in some scenes. And I just have to be like, I guess in that particular one, because you do have older movies of him playing that part, that is... <sighs> acceptable-ish. Yeah. Um, I would just prefer not have those younger scenes or maybe do it from like a behind indie kind of view where you see who he's talking to, not so much Indiana Jones and you can just get like a body double. Right. Um, but for things like when they're, you know, aging people up, obviously that's where it becomes more prosthetics than anything else. Right. So I, I find that interesting that in Looper, they chose two different actors instead of aging up Joseph Gordon-Levitt's or computer generating, you know, backwards. Like they didn't, they, they sort of like two different actors. Right. When they had full capability of doing either or. Because <laughs> they had already put so much prosthetic on, on, on Joseph that they're just like, yeah, okay, yeah. Right. It's like, you, you couldn't do that to make him look older and just have him <laughs> take care of himself? Like, I don't, what? <laughs> it's just, it's, it's interesting to me, but I'm not super fond of the computer generated de-aging. Yeah. 
unless we've seen that character young before, I don't see there's a reason to. Yeah, that, that was probably one of the more jarring things for the third X-Men, when they had the flashback of uh, Charles and Magneto meeting Jean Grey for the first time. Mm-hmm. It's back in the 80s, mm-hmm. so it shows them a bit young. Right. Like, just, like, they smoothed out a few of the wrinkles. Right, right. Um, but it, I think that was the first time I had seen an older actor... Look younger. Yeah, yeah. aged down a bit. And it, it looked all right at the time because, of course, we had never seen it before. Right. <laughs> and we're just kind of wowed by, like, oh. Right, like, wow, they made him look so young. Right. Right. Um, Didn't they do that to Wolverine, too? Um, at one point? I, I feel think, like in Logan they did. I think so, yeah. When, when they showed the... Other version of Wolverine that was like a younger mm-hmm. one that had been like cloned or something. I, I forget that part of it. Yeah, uh, but I believe that was Hugh Jackman again. But yeah, they they aged him down mm-hmm. to look like a much younger Wolverine. Yeah, I sometimes I think it can be done well. I heard it was done in Top Gun too for Tom Cruise. Oh, I believe don't quote me on that i didn't see it and i don't plan to so it's fine <laughs> um <laughs> but if it's not done correctly it bothers me the way superman's mustache did oh yeah i i just i lose i'm i'm fully pulled out of the movie at that point because now that's all i can see yeah like i couldn't when they did close-up of superman's face and you could tell his upper lip just was not right <laughs> i was like i can't just just no i can't <laughs> like yeah, it's sad that CG can be bad enough that we notice it and it ruins mm-hmm. that aspect of the movie. Whereas, I can't remember off the top of my head prosthetics that were so bad mm-hmm. that it ruined them. No, because even bad prosthetics, like I'm thinking, I don't want to say they're bad, but ones that are very obvious prosthetics are like Nutty Professor. Like, you know oh, where it's like he's a wearing a fat suit. suit. Yeah. yeah, you know he is. But it didn't take me out of the movie because I just kind of accepted the fact of, all right, he's wearing a fat suit. Right, that's part of the character. We yeah. know that Eddie Murphy isn't putting on this obscene amount of weight. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or even when um, Robin Williams did Mrs. Doubtfire, and they literally put the prosthetics on him for the movie. Right. But when he was Mrs. Doubtfire, he was Mrs. Doubtfire. He was not Robin Williams in prosthetics at that point. He was a whole different character. Well, that one I feel like might be one of those exception type things because it is in the movie that it shows him going through the process of putting on all the makeup and getting mm. the mold done. It's very meta in that sense. So I guess where, you don't notice it. Right. Okay. That like, makes like sense. Like even the whole scene where he loses the face out the window and he has to put on the cake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Frosting. I know one. Shallow Hell. Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh. That one never bothered me. Like it was, it was a little absurd. I thought yeah um but it never because of course you didn't see her as her bigger self for most of the movie but when you finally did they either did a fairly decent job or it was just at that point so believable right that you were just like all right yeah (laughs) yeah apparently she's she's a big girl yeah (laughs) so yeah i think i yeah i don't think i've ever had prosthetics that are supposed to look real but don't necessarily do be as distracting as bad cgi (laughs) right (laughs) I think there's just something, especially when it comes to movement, because 
I think about like if you've got everything that's CGI, like we're talking Avatar, everything is CGI. Oh. Nothing looks out of place. Even their talking doesn't look out of place. Right. Because everything is kind of out of place. You know what I mean? Like so it, it kind of goes with the flow. Like a video game when someone's talking, some of their movements are a little jerky. So if their lips don't exactly sync up, you're like, meh, okay. You know, you're just kind of used to that. That's true. But if everything is natural and then somehow one particular part like has less pores or isn't quite as defined or moves with the rest of it you're like what is wrong with that Mm -hmm. (laughs) what is that right (laughs) we had talked about how certain movies will display time in real time right and then so how some will mask over time (laughs) yeah yeah i I like the ones that introduce the ticking clock at one point Mm -hmm. like sometimes it is literally that like it's a bomb that's about to go off or some sort of countdown. Okay. Uh, I think Fifth Element is probably one of the best ones for this. That when it has a countdown on screen, it pretty much keeps it to the actual time elapsing for us. Mm. Like it doesn't cut around like, oh, that clock said 15 minutes only 10 minutes ago. And right. now it's about to be out. Right. Like we skipped over five minutes of time or something. Like that one, I feel like when you see the clock start, you're going to get that amount of time before boom (laughs) right i feel like there are some movies that really try to stick to the real time events like we've got five minutes to diffuse this bomb and literally at four minutes and 58 seconds they've diffused it right and it's the actual four minutes and 58 seconds of the movie Mm -hmm. that they get it done which i think is cool because you're not necessarily aware of the time in the movie they tell you what it is and you just assume okay they're gonna get it done and whenever they do that i'm always like yeah it's not gonna actually take five minutes but then when you like look it up you're like yeah it was real time I was like oh wow it really was wasn't it <laughs> like it actually took you that long so all of those things happened yeah I feel like that's one of those cool little things that they didn't have to do mm-hmm. but just to add to it I feel like the crew was like let's try to do it in real time yeah I I think that's awesome because it just gives it a little bit of, I don't know, just something to kind of like, that's a really cool thing they did, you know? (laughs) Like, it means nothing as far as the movie is concerned, and it has really nothing to do with anything other than, yeah, in the time frame they said they had four minutes to do this, they did it, you know? So, whereas, you know, you have some movies that'll say 15 years from now or 120 years from now, you're just like, how long is that in time? I have no idea. (laughs) I don't understand that concept. Like, I can get movies when they say, like, two days later or three days later I'm like okay that that I understand but when it's like for whatever reason less than a year so like six months eight months my brain still sees that as like a week or two later <laughs> like in the film like I'll be watching I was like why is so much different like what or no it's usually nothing has really changed in eight months surely a ton of things would change in eight months but oh, in yeah. real life not necessarily yeah no the leaves might be off the tree now right or if they were off it before now they're on (laughs) right but it's just so funny to me when when i see that when it's like less than a year's worth of time i'm always like it feels like it's literally next day why hasn't anything changed it's like well things take time to change (laughs) not just eight months you know yeah I, i like that they're able to immediately tell us what time of year it is Mm -hmm. sometimes like, the, uh, you know, you put up Christmas trees on. Right. We know what time of year it is. That's true. They tell you the time without telling you the time. Right. Usually if they're at a beach. Yeah, usually at the beach, it's summer. Mm-hmm. Um, pumpkins. Yeah. October. Yep. <laughs> now, if it's autumn oranges and browns, it's fall. So it's anywhere from August to November. Right. 
But pumpkins are definitely October. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No leaves or color at all is usually January, February. That's true. Mm -hmm. Snow. Yeah. Snow, depending on where it is located, can be anywhere from October to about April. Right. Just depends on where they are. (laughs) Yeah, and and light, fun colors, usually spring. They have an Easter, obviously. It's March, (laughs) April-ish. Yeah, it is kind of cool when they do certain things and you're just like, oh, I now know what time of year they're on. Cool. April is in pastels. Yes. What is your favorite, what is your preferred, like, time? Do you like it when they say, um, you know, the year, the location, or do you like the 15 weeks later, or um, what's your favorite display of time <laughs> passing? Uh, so I'll say that I do appreciate when a movie is told more non-linearly. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're watching it and then it's like, here's a really good example. It's done more in TV shows than movies movies where it starts at the end oh yep Mm -hmm. like you're seeing it and the main characters are like dead on the ground or something like that like the people that you expect to make it to the end of the movie opening credits they're getting killed Mm -hmm. you know so it's about to end like five minutes in and then cut to three days early so you like the deadpool first one yeah (laughs) like (laughs) so this is how we got here (laughs) right it's it's kind of a tarantino thing Oh, okay. Um, where it's all jumbled up. Talking about Joseph Gordon-Levitt earlier, there is this other one that he did called Premium Rush, where he's a bike messenger. Yes. Did we see that one? I believe so. I know I saw it before we had met, but... I feel like I've seen that one, or at least heard of it. More than likely, mm. we saw it at some point. Just because he's a, a bike messenger who has been given, I think, like two hours to get his package to mm-hmm. its destination. Um, normally, I guess it would be a very straightforward forward story mm-hmm. but in order to make it more interesting for us to watch they decided to jumble it up a bit mm-hmm. um, it is kind of a cheap thing to do i think like in editing to <laughs> like uh just add in three hours earlier three years earlier like flashback flash forward now we're back to where we're supposed to be right just a way to make the movie more interesting to watch i still like (laughs) i think it's cool i i like those two um my only gripe is when they do the time i'm gonna call it time reversal per character oh I i dislike that because I'm following a timeline, and then it's like, this is what's happening, everybody's together, and then it says, you know, three weeks ago, and it follows one character. And then all of a sudden it says, two days ago, and it's following a whole different character. Well, now I'm thinking they're on the same timeline, but they're Uh, not. And it gets very, like, like rolling on top of each other, kind of jumbled until it comes to the end, and I'm like, I guess that makes sense? (laughs) Sure. I don't think there's many movies that do that. I feel like there was one. I I can't think of which one it was, but... I can think of one specifically that does that it was vantage point okay um basically about a terror attack i think Mm -hmm. where most of the movie is told from all these different perspectives giving you different parts of the story leading up to the explosion Mm. um so most of the time telling the story explosion rewind telling the story explosion rewind until you get all of the different stories And then it progresses. Mm -hmm. So like the first, I don't know, hour and a half is a bunch of little stories. And then the last half hour is resolution. Mm. See, at that point, I'd be feel like watching a new miniseries with unknown characters and somehow a same ending. It's kind of Groundhog's (laughs) Day-ish, just with a different cast. 
Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, all right. And why are these people important? And then you watch and you're like, okay, now who are these people? How do they relate to the situation? Right. And it's just kind of like, even you watch a, a TV series for the first time and the first like four episodes are spent character building and you're just kind of like, okay, who's this? Why does that matter? Let's speed up and get to the point here. But they're building and, and I understand that. But so much of that back to back to back to back to back, <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah. It, <sighs> it's exhausting. If it's done, <laughs> correctly and not overused in a movie. I feel like they actually did that really well in Bullet Train. Yes. Um, where, uh, like, near the end of the movie, like, the whole, the whole way through when a character is being introduced, the name is brought up on screen in neon letters, mm-hmm. both Japanese and American. Right. Or English. <laughs> American English. <laughs> <laughs> near the end of the movie, a water bottle is used in a very opportune moment. Mm-hmm. And it like it actually goes back, like it cuts flashback to where the water bottle came from. Right, it was the unexpected passenger. <laughs> yeah, and and just made like followed its steps all the way through, but in a very stylistic camera angle sort of way mm-hmm. from the water bottle's perspective. I feel like Bullet Train was kind of in a weird way like Swiss cheese. It had holes in it, ironically, um, like a bullet train <laughs> with the name. Oh. A a bullet train. Um, So like there were little pieces missing, but you didn't necessarily know things were missing because you felt like you got the whole story until the water bottle came into play. (laughs) And then things started filling in and you're like, oh, okay. okay." And then you're like, oh, now that I don't mind because you're still getting the whole story to begin with. You just don't know that you're missing details until it's displayed at the end. Right. I like that. Yeah, I feel like lately, especially, I don't know if I'm just noticing it more than I used to, but more movies seem to be, and TV shows, seem to be putting us more in the mindset of the main character. Mm-hmm. Like we had talked about with Wanda um, and WandaVision, Loki mm-hmm. and Loki. <laughs> right. Um, like I had said earlier with Phil and Groundhog Day, we're all kind of confused. Some of us have some anxiety about what's going on. And for a lot of people, they feel like that's bad storytelling or, right. you know, movie make. But I feel like that's a, a better way of having us care about the character and identify with the character, especially when the character is like a superhero or something right. like that. Uh, we want to make them accessible to a regular person. True. And I think it's the easiest way to do kind of a 4D experience. Because like when you think about 4D, they're like, oh, you've got the sound, you've got the screen, you've got all the stuff. And then when you think about a 4D theater, it's like, oh, they're going to give you misting air so you feel like you're there. Well, obviously they can't do that from your home theater. They can't do that from most actual theaters. So what they do in the writing is make you feel it inside. So you feel their anxiety, you feel their pain, you feel their sadness. That to me is just so much a 4D experience as getting sprayed in the face with water and having something jump under your seat and tickle your legs to make you feel like bugs are calling on you. So (laughs) (laughs) I don't need all that. Thank you. That gives me, that's a 5D experience, physical and emotional. (laughs) I don't need that. Yeah, the um, yeah when the movie can make you feel like the character, either through disorientation, mm-hmm. with jumping back and forth in time, um, just with not giving us a lot of information until they are given the information, I feel like it's a evolution of storytelling. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that's 
I think that's for a long time what movies were missing. There was a period, and I want to say it's uh, probably 2000s era, when movies were more just buddy comedy slash action, just not that they didn't, where they weren't good stories. There were still some out there, but I feel like the storytelling and and that's why movies are getting longer, but the storytelling has gotten better because they're taking the time to make you, the viewer, feel it and, and, and really get invested into it so that when something terrible happens, it happened to you as well, yeah. you know? Yeah, I also feel like they're giving us more credit as an audience true that mm-hmm. we're smarter than they used to think we were yeah i've predicted quite a few next plot level stuff <laughs> and then i was like this is gonna happen like we're not <laughs> being spoon fed all of the information mm-hmm. um, but they do end up giving it all by the end right um just so that not everyone feels so stupid by the end right just, just in, in case, case they didn't someone... catch on <laughs> well and i also think it's what you said earlier with the reassurance they're reassuring you that, yes, you were right. Yes, because I think as much as people say they don't like how predictable movies can be or have become, at the same time, if you want to make a guess about it and say this is what's going to happen, when you're right, it feels really good to be like, I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. It was so predictable. You know, like right. it was right there. <laughs> I I like when I'm able to guess some things. Mm-hmm. But when it gets to the point of I've guessed pretty much every plot point of this movie, (laughs) it gets a little annoying because you feel like they were being lazy. Because I don't write movies professionally, and I did your job. (laughs) I did your job for you. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I figured it out as it was coming. Like, I don't know if you meant... For it to be telegraphed like that from miles down the road. Right. But maybe, maybe use a bit more subtlety. I also think, too, I know movies have ratings. I think movies, you know, like for age groups, like, oh, PG-13 because of language, drug use, whatever, whatever, rated R for excessive language violence. I also think movies should come with a IQ rating? Well, not really. An, oh, well, I was thinking like, you know how they have books have like age level reading, but oh, they say yeah. like young adult mystery or this is more college grade. This is more just kind of like this movie, don't be surprised, is literally going to be so predictable. It is beginner level movie. <laughs> this movie, however, being, you know, a superhero movie might be more intermediate level. And then, oh, here's your James Bond and your um, your mystery solving type movies. Like, I know they have genres they're in. Right. But some of them are still even predictable at that level. Yeah. It'd be cool if they had like a, a tiered level of how easily are you going to get what's <laughs> going on? You know, so you can be like, that was just so easy to predict. It's like, well, yeah, it's like a tier one. Yeah, obviously it's, <laughs> it's all about accessibility that that feels like it you're comparing um like the summer blockbuster to the art cinema yeah <laughs> basically yeah like everyone's gonna watch this movie to you have to see it in a special theater um and give a password right you have to know the secret password for the wearing, day and be wearing the right <laughs> colored beret <laughs> and smoke the right brand of clove cigarettes <laughs> And, and you don't clap, you, you snap your fingers. <laughs> it was a great movie. Yay. <laughs> but don't be too excited. Oh, right, right, right. 
lack of promotion. No, it, <laughs> <laughs> but I just think that would be kind of kind of another neat way because, as we know, the ratings of the movies and shows in general are not exactly the greatest. They haven't been for a while. Yeah. Um. And you know, when you see PG thirteen, you're like, oh, this will be fine. And then when you watch it, like, how is that not rated R? Well, they only said the F word once. Right. Okay, well, they said every other curse word in the book. Right. Like 80,000 times. I think it was every fourth word, but it's still PG-13. Yeah. Which I really think that that system should be adjusted as well. Um, But if you could add like a different level onto it of, hey, this is super intuitive or this one is time travel or, you know, something to it. I think that would be really cool. And I think it would help people not expect too much from movies that are going to be pretty simple and easy viewing and really know that this one's going to work. Like Inception. If you would have told me Inception was going to give me a migraine (laughs) when I was done, I had to take a Tylenol when I was done watching that movie. And I still don't know that I know what reality he was in at the end of the movie. (laughs) That's actually a good one to talk about just because time dilation in that one is on a different plane than what we had talked about before. Like Mm -hmm. with Interstellar, it's planetary gravitational sort of time dilation. Uh, With Quantum Mania, it's about the same, but going smaller. Right. This is going into your mind. Yeah. So the deeper you go into your mind, the shorter time passes out here, the longer it is down there. I feel like that is more appropriately named quantum mania. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're getting smaller in your brain. And right. Yeah, but... <laughs> but yeah, that they lived lives down in their deepest psyche of dreams. Right. When it's only been a plane ride up top. Yeah, that... That movie, I love it, and I would watch it a billion times over, but I would honestly have to take a Tylenol first. Yeah. As far as accessibility goes, I feel like uh, a lot of the streaming services are doing a good job of letting us know ahead of time what we're getting into by adding those little descriptor words. Yes. um, When you're just on the movie TV show's page. Right. Like gritty, intellectual. And I think that's what I'm looking for for theater movies because whenever you'd see like a trailer, like critics say it's captivating and the most magnificent eye-catching movie ever. I'm like, that's cool. What's it about? Yeah. Like, Am I going to be able to follow this? Right. I mean, it's pretty, but if it means nothing to me when I walk out, then not right. Yeah, it's like, (laughs) what what did I just watch? Yeah, exactly. So I do like that. um, I know Netflix does I know um, it's what Netflix, Disney does it to an extent, but they keep it very much Disney uh, ratings-ish. They don't really describe their movies. Right. They they tend to classify them into different channels, sort yeah. of, where it's like, these are, this is a common thread among all these movies. This is, and some of them are weird. <laughs> yeah. It is fun sometimes to find those channels and just see what title they came up with. <laughs> Uh, But I feel like the way to close out this topic for next week is to really just rip it a new one and go after the bad ones. Oh, the bad time movies? Yeah. Such as? Off the top of my head, Timeline. It was based off of a Michael Crichton book. Okay. Uh, Paul Walker was in it. Gerard Butler, too. Okay. They figure out a way to go back in time, or they've developed a time machine, um, but it only goes to like a specific time back in like uh, medieval France. Okay. Uh, and they all go back there. It's a weird time, but okay. Yeah. Movie was horrible. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, 
I haven't read the book, but I imagine it's better. Mm-hmm. Usually the Usually books, the are, books better. are better. Usually the books are better, yeah. Uh, but that one, not so great. Uh, similar, not as terrible, but not great either. Deja Vu. Um, that was a Denzel Washington one. Mm-hmm. A very similar concept where uh, they can see a window that's a specific amount of time in the past. Okay. So it's kind of like the present is moving at a constant rate. So is this window. It's moving alongside with them. Mm -hmm. So once that past window passes a specific point, you can't go past it. Okay. Yeah, it's it's. I would say it's that, interesting. that just sounds like a horrible idea, <laughs> let alone how do you explain that in a movie? Right. And then the third one that comes to mind, it, is, it actually isn't really a terrible movie, and I just want to probably talk about it more. It's <laughs> uh, fair. This one called Frequency. That um, sounds familiar. Where a father and son communicate with each other across time through a um, like a CB ham radio thing. Yes. Um, yes, I think I have seen that one. And the son tries to help save the dad who died in the past from dying. Right. And it helps change the future. Uh, it's probably one of the better portrayed um, time manipulation type movies because no one really moves back and forth. They they're just, just communicating. Yeah, like over radio more. waves because I guess the way they explain it through the thing is the Aurora Borealis mm. are so strong that the radio waves are bouncing off, but going back in time. Did you ever notice that the Aurora Borealis is essentially the um, Bermuda Triangle, but in the sky? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> it's very it's very mystical. Makes yeah. us feel all woo. And, and just literally does the unexplained. You're like, you know, because the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, yeah the Aurora Borealis. Now, all right. The Northern <laughs> Lights. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, tune in next week where we try to tie up the loose ends about time travel and all things time related. I think we'll do about as good as most movies do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll try to answer as much as we can. We'll probably talk about some random stuff that comes to mind uh, between now and then. Uh, just to try to wrap it all up um, because come February we're on to a new topic and we'll let yep. you know that one next week yep. but thanks for tuning in this week tune in again next week yes <laughs> <laughs> please tune in again next week yes we are Geeky, Geeky Dinks, Dinks.